Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Love Rules. Today's message, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Acts. And our text is from Matthew, the first chapter, the 18th through the 25th verses. Of course, we are still celebrating Christmas, and so this is how this goes. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in dreams and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Whenever the nativity story is told, the central character besides Jesus Christ is Mary, his mother. Hers is a wonderful story, and she is clearly an amazing woman of faith whose yes to God is a, a model for believers everywhere, the epitome of trust and surrender. Mary's story is central to our lives, not just for Catholics who have made her the greatest of all Christian saints, but for all believers, affirmed in the power of miracles and the Holy Spirit, because nothing is impossible with God. But in concentrating on Mary, we create a little problem for ourselves. When we focus so much on Mary, we tend to overlook her mate, Jesus' earthly father, Joseph. He stands quietly over the manger in the shadow of the nativity, a silent, passive character who is often treated like he doesn't really matter. Joseph's role in Jesus' birth is upstaged by angels, wise men, and even the cattle. Joseph doesn't even make it in most of the paintings that show mother and child. I'd like to take a closer look at Joseph for, for just a few minutes today. Perhaps spending some time with him can not only lift him out of the shadows, but also give us deeper spiritual insight on the value that God places on ordinary people, the unsung heroes, the, the plain people that we don't know too much about. That's important because if we keep on thinking that God only uses spiritual giants to accomplish his purposes, then we may end up thinking, he can't use us. One of the worst kept secrets among Christians is the all too common belief that God would never really want to use me, that I'm too sinful or, or too weak or too helpless or too old or too shy or too ordinary to warrant God's attention, much less his use. There's just too much wrong with me. 
I'm convinced that a lot of people avoid church, not because they don't believe in God, but they don't think they're good enough. I think this is one of the biggest challenges in our faith, to service, to blessings, to miracles. Not that God won't allow good, extraordinary, or even supernatural things to happen to us, but that we get in our own way. We have what I like to call a faith inferiority complex. We forget what the Bible teaches us, that God takes the small, the insignificant, the foolish, the weak, the imperfect to show his power. We forget that Noah had a drinking problem and Moses had a stutter and Rahab was a prostitute and David was a murderer. We don't think God knows us or pays attention to our prayers or or would ever think of using us. We're just too run-of-the-mill, too plain, too ordinary. Well, that's why we turn to Joseph. If ever there was a biblical character who faced his own kind of image issues, who was underappreciated and probably struggled with a lot of doubts and anxieties, if ever there was a man who at one time or another may have thought he was useless, it's Joseph. Imagine. His fiance comes up and says, I'm pregnant. I think he might feel a little useless. The Bible doesn't tell us much about Joseph, just the fact that he was from Nazareth, born into the lineage of King David, a poor carpenter about to be married. Really all we know about Joseph is his name. Until we probe a little deeper into today's text. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Mary is pregnant, and while we know how and why in this moment, Joseph doesn't know. All he knows is that he's not the father. Can you imagine the first thoughts that go through his mind? This is life-changing information, not easy to bear. Jesus is born in one of life's most socially stigmatizing ways. And for any husband or fiancé to be confronted with that, well, that's monumental. It's obvious that Joseph is devastated because he plans to leave Mary. Word about Mary's mysterious pregnancy would no doubt spread quickly. And while the text doesn't explain, I'm pretty certain to the neighbors and people around Nazareth, Joseph would be made to look like a fool. Yes, he wanted out of the relationship. But, and this is where we begin to understand his character, it says he plans to break the engagement quietly. Quietly. Why? I am so thankful you've joined us today. Remember, Love Rules is totally listener-supported. Won't you make a donation right now to keep this program on the air? Log on to RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org and click on Giving. That's RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org. Click on Giving. Thank you. God bless you. We are doing a kind of a personality profile on Joseph today. And we're at the point where he's found out Mary's pregnant and he wants out of the relationship and, 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 he, and he's going to break the engagement, but he's going to do it quietly. You know, his concern apparently is not to expose Mary to public disgrace. That's what the text tells us. Why? And this is critical to what God wants us to know about Joseph. As a matter of fact, this may just be all God wants us to know about Joseph. Verse 19, Joseph was a righteous man. 
he was a righteous man. This is just one of the few things we learn about him from the text. Joseph was a righteous man, and there is great value in righteousness. Now, righteousness can be defined in two basic ways. There is the standard of the law, honesty and ethics, and then there is the standard of God. And the former is supposed to flow from the latter. But it doesn't always work that way. Those of us who have been saved by God are called to live righteously and in conformity with God's will. So this notion of righteousness is really what the law is all about. When most Christians think of a righteous man, we think of qualities like being a good husband, a patient father, a loyal worker, a good friend, someone who who lives an ethical life. But I think the little we know about Joseph takes us deeper into the meaning of righteousness. Joseph's single decision not to bring public disgrace on Mary is quite extraordinary. An ordinary man doing something extraordinary. You see, under Jewish law, the penalty for unfaithfulness in marriage or engagement was death. Adultery was taken very seriously. Joseph was well within his rights to stone Mary to death. But this man wasn't out for blood, you see. His righteousness led him past the low road of revenge, up the high road toward mercy. Joseph showed mercy. That's what that righteousness was about. The human quality of righteousness produces mercy. If you don't believe me, just go to Matthew, the fifth chapter, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is laying out his uh, uh, will for the world. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. That's verse 6 of chapter 5 of Matthew. And then right after it, it says, Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Notice the placement of those two qualities, righteousness and mercy. Mercy follows righteousness. When you are right with God, dependent on God, because God gives you righteousness, you realize God's mercy to you. And the next step, you need to show mercy. The Bible most commonly speaks of God's righteousness as God's justice. And the first thing you think of in terms of justice, of course, is judgment. Justice involves the handing out of punishment for wrongdoing. I know that you have probably been following the case of Dylan Roof, who was convicted of killing those nine members of the Bible study group at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina. When he was found guilty, no surprise. The biggest issue is whether he will get the death penalty. And, and the state of South Carolina says he should. That's what the prosecutor argues. It would signify justice. The ultimate crime demands the ultimate punishment. But there are those asking for mercy. And you might be surprised to know that some of them are relatives of those who were killed. But you see, what they are expressing is the paradox, the mystery about God's justice, God's righteousness. You can't speak of God's righteousness as judgment alone, because God's righteousness is all-encompassing. It includes his perfection, his holiness, his faithfulness, his love, and this, this is critical to understand, his mercy. The Bible says, The Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. The Lord is a God of justice and 
mercy. And God's mercy is God's pardon from sin. That's why Jesus went to the cross. His love and his mercy. And the best way to understand this is when you are the direct recipient of God's mercy. That comes in your relationship with God. So you won't know about God's mercy unless you really know God. And we can be assured that that Joseph probably had a, a, a real relationship with God. The text tells us he was righteous. And in that righteousness, we see his expression of mercy. So this is a message to all of those of you who feel ordinary. You can be used by God. You must be obedient to God. And if you have a relationship with God, you are no doubt going to be so grateful for his mercy. Then the next step, you must express mercy. You are now acting in the realm of the extraordinary. Thanks for joining us. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, roxburypresbyterianchurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love will reign if you let love